So it was decided. We left the stars and popped some stuff into bags, picked the van up from Davy's lockup and got ready to rock. I'd take the initial shift. Next stop, London Town. Set the controls for the heart of the smoke. Initiate hyperdrive if you please, Chewbacca. <laughs> and we were off. Hoover was the first to crash, snoring in the front seat. Simon and Molly were curled up in the back and soon they were asleep as well. I didn't mind. It felt good to just be driving through the night. One hand on the radio, one hand on the wheel. I opened the window a crack and I could smell the dark as the van ate up the white lines. Air rushing in, taking us onwards mile by mile. I felt a buzz of excitement in my belly at being the only one awake, captain of the ship. Trying not to sneak glances in the mirror at Molly and Simon snuggled in the back. Not sure if I was more sad she was asleep in his arms or more worried she would wake up and fix me with those blue-green eyes that made my belly do flip-flops and my mouth spew nonsense. A couple of hours passed. We make good time. Simon was the first to wake up. That's the thing with guys who do well in life. They never sleep as much as us lazy sorts. Soon he had me in deep and serious conversation. The thing is, it's about money. I know they say it's a charity, but trust me, Mid-Ewer, Adamant, Phil Collins, Knopfler, these are the guys that people will remember. Professionals. Literally, no one will remember a no-mark like Geldof in 10 years, scruffy little paddywank. Don't think so, Bungo. It's our chance to make a difference, isn't it, really, though? Our generation finally getting up off our asses to do something. It is something, Si. Yeah, it's something. It's a concert, run by some beardy porridge wog. That's all. It's gonna be a fucking great concert though, Simon. <laughs> I was quite relieved after going through this for a bit that Hoover let out a fart so loud he woke himself up. He produced a few cans of Kestrel and handed one to Simon. Hoover swilled the beer around his stale saliva until he burped and began to return to what, for him, was uh, normal. Forget band-aids, forget lemonade, here's beer-aid. <laughs> In the back, Simon sprawled out, his hand twisting Molly's curls. Her nose twitched and she made a tiny noise in her throat but remained asleep. We continued to rocket and roll towards our glorious destination and I carefully turned the radio up. Me and the boys drank a beer or two and listened to some tunes, basically shooting the shit. Simon insisted on telling long-winded Irishman jokes that I, I couldn't really be bothered with, but we were having a pretty good time. Hoover told an anecdote about a cord apple and a long bus journey he had taken as a younger man which had us howling and thankful we had neglected to take any fruit or veg on this particular excursion. We continue to eat up the miles, drinking and following our crumpled map. Of course, what goes in must come out. So began the endless toilet stops. The boys at the back of the van, Molly declining. Each time we were about 10 minutes down the road again before she decided that now, actually, she'd like to go. As it turned out, Molly had a bladder the size of an orange pip, and we had to make many a stop along the way until it was decided by committee that she shouldn't be allowed any more beer. I managed to keep my legs crossed most of the way. All I asked was for the boys to stop a couple of times. Jeez, you would have thought I was asking them to save a starving nation single-handedly the amount of complaining they did. Then suddenly, there reflecting in the headlights, appearing out of the growing dawn, a sign. Welcome to England! Look at this, guys! <laughs> 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 so long, Scotter Snotters! Bon the Jockney Rebel! 
Enemy territory. Jinx Crimmins and Sopma Bobby. No prisoners! Enslave the women and children. Wow, the fields are so <laughs> <laughs> And that was us over the border. It felt like we'd been shot out by a cannon and we were well on target. Uh, perhaps I should have known that things shot out of cannons tend to explode, but we'll come to that later. It was really exciting. I'd never been in England before. Closest I'd been to England was Bungo, and we'd sort of made him an honorary Scot. We all, except Hoover, who'd claimed alcoholic immunity, had a shot at driving. Has to be said, though, Bungo was as good as his word and was putting in the bulk of the work. Simon was being weird and a bit creepy, trying to get all lovey-dovey in the back of the van. It wasn't working for me. I was more interested in what lay ahead. Hoover was struggling with a Rubik's Cube in the passenger seat while I was watching Simon and Molly cuddling in the back seat in the rearview mirror. Okay, sue me. I was not happy. Simon was murmuring something to Molly. Hoover gradually must have noticed this and holds the Rubik's Cube up, waving it under my nose. I raised an eyebrow at him. It's frustrating, these puzzles, eh, Bunga? You twist this way, you twist that way. They drive you mental. You see all these different colours, yeah? You just see a muddle. How can anyone get them to line up the way they want? You put it down, leave it for a bit, but it nags away. You pick it up again. Of course you do. But here's the thing. It's as hard as it needs to be. That's what makes it worth it. If it wasn't so hard, it would be too easy. But see, if you get this right, if you complete and solve the puzzle, it's magic. You ever solve it, Hoop? No, mate. Never have. Probably never will. I'd give up. I always give up. Or I'd smash it up and throw it away. But you, you're a solver. You can do magic. Look at us, in a van, going to Wembley. I think you can fix your problems, Bungo. It's too late for me, but you can solve this. Right, who's making room for me in the back? I'm needing a sleep. I'll move in the front, Hoover. Hoover passed me the cube. Simon held onto Molly's arm and muttered something, but she shrugged him off and she clambered into the front while Hoover slumped into the back and cuddled up to Simon, who pulled a face of disgust and scowled out the window. Give it a try, man. We exchanged a glance, and it felt really good. Hoover was a friend, all right. All right, Mom? Yeah. It's working, Bungo. I have to say, I'm very nearly impressed. I felt my heart swell and laughed a, a bit too loudly. I chanced to glance at her. She looked as beautiful as ever. Skin, the colour of sand, that lioness hair, and those piercing cat's eyes. She was foraging around in a bag, and I thought, if not now, when? Maybe Hoover was right. I cleared my throat, but every time I tried to get her attention, she seemed to be distracted by something else. Lipstick, tissues, reaching around to get one of those stripy tops from the back seat. I was left humming and hawing, unable to catch her eye. I decided to try and seize the moment. You know, Molly, when, you know, do you, what I mean is, uh, that time, Remember? <gasps> Suddenly, her eyes lit up, crackling with excitement. I felt a spark tingle to my bones. There's a hitchhiker! Bongo, let's pick them up! <clears throat> Typical, eh? And there he was. 
Wham Lifebringer.